So this, this concept of epiphany, uh, of revelation, is an incredibly spiritual thing, both overtly and, and then sort of sub, subvertly as well. Because when, when we really think about how we all handle change, when we, when we have substantial change in our lives, usually, if we're really honest about it, we don't handle those kinds of changes that well. And the idea of an, of an epiphany, of a revelation, is the idea of change. That the way that we have viewed the world changes in a very significant way, and it happens in a single moment of time. And that's what happened to this writer of the New Testament, Paul. He had this moment, this single solitary moment, where after it happened, after it took place, the very same world that he had been looking at looked completely different. That's, that's what he's writing about here. He had an epiphany, a, a revelation, and, and it split his life into a before and after. It split, in fact, it split all of history into a before and after. And what I, I want us to be able to explore and talk about over these next several weeks in this idea of epiphany is, is are there ways as, as Christians, as spiritual creatures, for us to put ourselves in, in the position where when the epiphanies are coming and going in front of us, around us, that we are open to receive them, that we are open to experience the changes in our life as more than something that was a fortunate circumstance or an unfortunate circumstance, but be open and available and ready to receive things that can greatly shift our view of reality. Now, if we think about it, we've all already had many of these types of experiences in our life. You've had single moments in your life that changed the way you saw everything. For a lot of you, that may have been an actual conversion experience where you can say, I met the person of Jesus, and it changed me, it transformed me, and the way I saw the world changed. But even if you haven't, you've had other types of epiphanies, you've had other types of things that have happened in your life. You've had significant relationships begin or end. You realized in a moment, maybe, that you were in love or that you had fallen out of love, or you experienced a marriage, you got married and things changed, or you got a divorce and things changed, or you got a job that you didn't think you were qualified for and that changed your perception of yourself and what you were capable of. Have you ever experienced one of those moments where somebody looked at you and they saw who you were and they said something to you about what they saw in you, about what your potential was or what kind of person you were to them. 
And, and what they said to you mattered so much that it shifted your entire perspective of yourself and the world going forward. These are all, in a sense, some, some type of epiphany. Now, when we look at this scripture in Ephesians this morning, we see Paul taking great pains and, 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 and going through a lot to be able to describe his version of reality. You ever, you ever been in the same experience with another person doing the same thing and their view of reality of what's happening at that moment is really different from yours? Like maybe you're at a, at a Grizzlies game and, and you're with somebody from Memphis, but they're, they're rooting for the Utah Jazz. Like what the heck, right? Yeah, exactly. That's terrible. Somehow their experiences led them to just the wrong conclusions, right? That, that there was somebody else to root for being from Memphis, the city of grit and grind, than the Grizzlies. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been around somebody who swears by Taco Bell and they act like when they're eating Taco Bell, they're eating taco and ganas, right? And you're just like, that's just wrong. Your perspective of life is completely wrong. I know for me, you know, I could look outside my window and I see my truck in the driveway, my nice red 2011 Toyota Tacoma that I get to haul a bunch of stuff around in. But somebody else might drive by in Memphis and say, hey, there's my future truck that I'm gonna take later, right? So depending on your experiences, and your, your reality, the way you see reality can be starkly different. <laughs> and this creates different worlds. It creates different cultures. It creates different beliefs and attitudes. And it creates different actions in the world. Paul was this guy. He was a dogmatic, stubborn, strident, strict Jewish Pharisee guy. And he had a certain perspective of the world and it was rigid and it was specific. And he was sure that he was right about all of the things that he believed about God, about who was in, who was out, who belonged, how to belong, all of those types of things. And then he had this religious epiphany where he met the person of Jesus and it completely changed the way that he viewed the world. So much so that earlier in this letter, he went from that very rigid, legalistic way of thinking to saying things like this. This is from the first chapter of Ephesians. He said, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. A dramatic change in effect in the way that Paul saw things. An epiphany, a conversion, a transformation in the very same reality. He was sitting in the very same reality, but he saw things completely differently. And I wonder this morning for us, I wonder for you, for me, are there areas of our life that we would like to experience an epiphany, a revelation in, to, to see things differently. 
You know, I, I think I made a joke about this at the brunch actually, but this, this moment was so significant, it, it literally split history in half. That's how big this, this, this deal was. We, we, we look at history now before Christ and after Christ, BCAD. And of course, now we have the BCE before Common Era and Common Era, but it's not really any different because the dividing line is still the epiphany of who Jesus was. Like, well, let's secularize this. Let's take the epiphany out of it. Yeah, but you're still dividing history at the same point. It still can't be understated the bigness of the revelation that Jesus was divine, that Jesus was the son of God that Jesus changed Paul and other people's definition of reality and humans. So let's look at these uh, couple of verses here together. It's quite a few verses. We're not going to look at all of them in detail. And see, see what kind of things Paul's talking about in relation to these epiphanies. So verse 1 and 2, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Surely you've heard in, uh, in discourse in our country or in different environments you've been in that, hey, you can believe whatever you want, just keep your beliefs to yourself, right? Keep your, keep your beliefs to yourself. But as I've thought about that and as I've grown up as a, as a biracial person, pretty much identifying as black but being racially ambiguous to people sometimes, I've, I've experienced this differently. And, and what, I've, what I've realized that most of the time that actually means is not you can believe whatever you want, keep your beliefs to yourself, but it really means as long as you believe what this group that you're in or around believes, you can talk about that. But if you don't, then keep your beliefs to yourself. So this question and this idea that we should keep our beliefs to ourselves or we should share our beliefs, it's, it's, it's really a, a very prominent uh, question and problem in American culture today because what we believe actually is shaped by our experiences. What we believe is shaped by our experiences. Paul, that's what Paul's talking about here. I had this experience and now I believe something totally different than I used to believe. And so, so when, when you say, hey, you can believe what you want, but keep your beliefs to yourself, what you're saying sometimes in some circumstances is your experiences can't be brought to the table of what we believe things should be like or were like. So when I think about Paul, he's talking a lot about actually race in this, in this passage. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, different ways of dividing people up. That, that's what came up for me. One of the things that came up as I was looking at this and I was thinking about these beliefs and these transformations of thought and things like that and things like the battle over our curriculums in school and things like that came into my mind like you, I'm sure you guys heard a little bit about critical race theory and, and all those kind of uh, dog whistles about that kind of thing. And really what's at stake there is what are we going to tell 
our country what to believe about our history. And the reason why that's so important is because what people experience, what they're told, what they experience and whose experiences we allow to shape things will affect what people believe. And those beliefs then will in turn affect actions in our culture and our environment. So what Paul says here, he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So he's saying the change in belief for me was given to me so that I can share it with you, not keep it to myself, not let it give me warm fuzzies on the inside, but something that alters my whole view of reality, of who I am, of what the world is like, and what you are to me now, that's gotta be shared. So when we experience things, they are going to change the way we believe, and those beliefs, if we truly have experienced something that's changed us, some epiphany, we're gonna share it with other people. Think about it. Think about what is it that you share? What is it that you're an evangelist for? That if somebody talks to you long enough, they're gonna hear about this thing. It's because you had an experience and that experience affected and changed the way you believed about the world. Maybe it's that so-and-so's a gossip and you're not friends with them anymore. Maybe that's what comes out. Maybe it's about some new TV show on Netflix that you're really excited about, maybe, maybe that's what comes out. Whatever it is that is currently affecting the way you think about the world that you have energy around, that's what comes out, that's what you share. In verse three, Paul says this, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. This is what he, this is what he has to keep sharing. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Paul is describing something that was a mystery to him. He used to see Jesus. He previously saw Jesus as this rabble-rouser rabbi guy. And now he sees the person of Jesus as the greatest revelation, the greatest revealing mystery made known in his life and, and in the entire world. So as I'm thinking about all these things, I'm, I'm thinking about how these experiences shaped Paul. And I'm also thinking about how our experience our experiences shape us. And I have a question for you all. What experiences do you think have shaped you that maybe you're afraid to be honest about how they've shaped you? Being a uh, a pastor and uh, being connected to so many different communities and, and people processing their faith and through the pandemic and all these things. You know, 
there are these before and afters that we experience, and I'm, I'm prone to this type of thinking too. And we tend to sometimes, we, we have a change, we have some kind of epiphany, and we realize, oh, you know what? Some of those experiences that I had in my childhood, my religious experiences were really controlling. Or in my family life, they were really controlling, they were really dogmatic, they were really harmful. But, but what we end up doing is we end up saying all of that was bad and all of the ways that I thought and all of the ways that I acted and all the ways that I behaved were bad and wrong and now I'm living this totally different life. And what can happen in that sort of dichotomy, this sort of good-bad dichotomy is that we lose the revelation and the understanding of how those times, how those experiences shaped us and continue to shape us. I, I remember uh, talking to somebody recently about not wanting to be like their parent. And I said, well, what if, what if you already are like your parent? I used to have that fear, I'm gonna be just, just like my parents. And I put so much energy into trying to avoid that, that I failed to be able to acknowledge that I already am. That that's already part of who I am. And, and I wonder if some of us feel like in order to hold the thinking and the position that we're at now, how we see things, we're trying to disregard and throw out, maybe there's some jewels and nuggets that are really valuable from what has shaped us in the past. And, and we're so busy trying, trying to convince ourselves that it's not, that we're missing out on actually who we are and the experiences that shape us. If you read any of Paul's letters in the New Testament, any, any of uh, what he has to say to the people he's writing to, you'll hear that he is still aware of who he was, how it shaped him, what kinds of thinking that he's brought into this new epiphany and place. You know, um, the, uh, the, the weird thing about this, I was, uh, I was reading this book about just experiments and how we think, and um, it turns out when we change our mind about something, when we change our mind about something, for example, the death penalty, they did this study about, they brought in two groups of people, one group that believed in the death penalty and one that didn't, okay? And they brought them in and each group, they gave a persuasive argument for the other viewpoint, okay? So the people that didn't believe in the death penalty got a persuasive argument about why the death penalty is a good thing and vice versa, you got it? And so some of the people changed their minds. They changed their minds at the end of that because of the persuasive argument, because of the way the person's voice sounded, because of who they reminded them of, who knows what all the factors were, but they changed their minds. And then they did a follow-up survey with those people. I think, I don't, I don't even know if it was, I think it might have even been the same day. Asking them to articulate or explain the way that they previously believed. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't wrap their minds around that, that they'd ever thought differently than the way that they'd 
they had come to believe. Which, which to me tells me how important epiphanies are, but how important it also is for us to acknowledge, to acknowledge the places where we've been and how they've shaped us, even if we can't even remember all of those things. I was thinking about that and, and just worship this morning and every time Josh chooses an older song and it takes me back to this country church that I, that I grew up in outside of Atlanta, Georgia. You know, I can smell the smells and I can see the different people there and uh, I can remember running around, you know, behind and, 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 and ducking out of the like fifth uh, children's church service or whatever I'd experienced that week because we were there all the time. Uh, and, 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 I, and I realize in those moments how shaped and formed I am by, the, by, by those moments in my life. Even though I can't, I can't remember them, I can't recall a lot of the details about them, but I know that they've shaped me. And even though there has been religious baggage and drama and trauma in my life, I also experienced real and incredible encounters with a living God that form and inform who I am and give strength and weight and tethering to who I am. And some people might say, well, Jamin, you're just not strong enough yet. You know, you're not strong enough to live without religion or without God. And I'd say, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm not. I don't think I was made to be. I think I was made to be tethered and connected to the living creator of my soul. So these experience that, experiences that we have, they shape us. Whether we want them to or not, whether we're willing to acknowledge that they do or not, they shape us. But also, our beliefs are shaped by how we receive other people's experiences. Listen to what Paul says in these two verses, in verses five and nine. In verse five, he says, about this mystery, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So he's saying the revelation of who Jesus is, the divinity of Jesus and the power and accomplishment of Jesus's death on the cross and resurrection. He's saying this was a thing nobody knew about, nobody understood it could happen until it happened and some of us were graced by God enough to understand what it meant to have this epiphany. And then in verse nine, it says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. You know what I think? I'm gonna, I'm gonna change my job description to that phrase right there to say um, the administer of, of mystery. How about that? I like that. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, in, in, in all of the scriptures here, you've got these stories that are these mysterious things, these revelations of God that are happening. And um, Paul says, this one, this one in Jesus, this one in the person of Jesus has never happened before. It's, it's never happened before. And I wonder if you can think about this in terms of 
okay? Again, you're sitting in the same place with the same people, something happens, and for, th- for you, it's a normal thing, and for them, they say, this is brand new, it's never happened before. Well, if you've ever witnessed two married people arguing, you might have seen something similar to that. Um, you, you can think about uh, these types of things in, in reality where something new is taking place, something incredible is happening and it's never happened before and it just changes things. It's like the printing press. It's like fire. It's like quantum physics. It's like these revealings of things in history that have never taken place before. They've never taken place before, and because they've happened, the world is totally different. And, and I think about this in, in the person of Jesus, and, it, and as a nov, novice student of history, when I think about the things that have happened in history, I, I realize that there's no way to even imagine what this world would look like. There's no way to even imagine what the world would look like today without Jesus. That it showed, so transformed and shaped people's thinking, like Paul's, like what he's talking about here, that, um, that there's no way to even imagine it. And it was because there was a group of people who knew Jesus, who saw Jesus, who witnessed the death and a resurrection, and they told other people about it. So their experiences of Jesus led to a change in their belief, and they told other people about it. And so many of the things that we believe right now are not things that we've actually experienced ourselves. They're just connected to somebody that we know that told us that, or somebody that we trust that heard it from somebody else that told them. I mean, the whole way the earth is round, you don't know that the earth is round. Somebody told you that. You don't know how we're floating in space or the way gravity works or any of those things. Somebody just told you that that's the way it is and you believed them. Our world, every step that you're taking, the reason why you think your car starts when you turn the key or press the button or whatever you do to make your car start, stand on your head. I don't know what all can turn on a car these days, but uh, those things you believe because somebody told you that that's something you could believe in. And people sharing their experiences, the revelation that they had about Jesus was so transformative that the world would be completely different. I can't even, I don't, I can't even imagine what it would look like of these past 2,000 years of talking about what Jesus inspired in them and the perspectives that it gave them about the worth of human beings. Like Paul's blown away. To us, it seems like, oh yeah, we're, like none of us are Jews in here, but, we, but we're here to worship and learn about this Jewish Messiah. For Paul in Paul's time, that was totally insane. He would have never been able to believe it if he hadn't had a new experience. And so I wonder right now, I wonder what are the experiences, what are the epiphanies that we need to have in our own lives to become more loving, to be able to see a way out of an addiction, to be able to learn new rhythms and patterns of relationships with one another, with our money, with our goals in life. So we believe what we believe because of what we've experienced 
or because of what somebody else has experienced and shared with us. And these beliefs, of course, then inspire us into new perspectives and goals in life. Listen to these verses, 6, 10, and 11, and 12 here. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. This idea that there, are, there was a God and a religion that superseded all geographical or ethnic or racial categories It was mind-blowing to the whole human race. Mind-blowing is an epiphany that we probably don't think too much about today. But for Paul to have received this mystery made relevant, that's why it's so impossible to imagine what the world would be like. It was mind-blowing that could only have come from his encounter, his experience with God. Do you need an experience with God? Do you need to have an open heart and open expectation? I, I, you know what? I met God this morning in worship. And, and, and I think it was no other reason really than I kind of expected that I would. My heart was open to it. I was, I was worshiping. I was there. It filled me up. It strengthened me. I haven't been to a worship service in two weeks and it felt like a really long time. I felt kind of parched. Verse 10, his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Paul sounds like some kind of crazy mystical dude right here. Like he's saying that this gathered group of just all kind of random people in this city in Ephesus, think like ancient New York City, right? Think of that cosmopolitan uh, cross-section of society and culture. He's, that's who he's talking to here. He's saying, hey, all you folks who are from all these different backgrounds and you probably can't even agree on where to go out to eat after service because like you all grew up eating totally different things and stuff, that you guys being together, worshiping, having unity through the body and blood of Jesus, that you are like a testimony to the whole cosmic reality of the world. That there's, that there's some, to see, to see human beings like that, if we were able to see human beings like that today, it's an epiphany to Paul 2,000 years ago and it would be an epiphany for us, even for just a moment to taste that type of view of humanity. Wow, I want that. I want a God that can bring that to me, that can bring that to a city like Memphis, where we're so torn apart, we're so uh, uh, disconnected from one another in, in so many ways. There's a lot of beauty in Memphis too, but. Verse 12. Oh, did I, fin- I didn't even finish verse, I'm on verse 11 according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Wow. As as we're coming to to the final part here, um, 
it struck me that there's two types of epiphanies. There's two types of revelations that we have as human beings. The first kind is sort of like uh, we learn a lesson that all of humanity in general kind of learns as well along the way. Like, I can't remember, I think it was Ernest Hemingway or something, he had quoted, he's like, when I was 19, my dad didn't know anything. And when I was 27, I was shocked at how much my dad had learned in such a short amount of time. Right? That's, that's the type of lesson that we, that we all realize on some level, you know, uh, growing up, that our parents actually knew a little bit more than we thought they did when we were 12 or 13, right? My mom and dad don't know anything. And then there's the other kinds of epiphanies, these once in a human history type of event. These once, they happen one time. They happen in one place and in one location. And these are the revelations of our faith tradition. They're the revelations of Abraham striking out, hearing the voice of God and leaving everything that he had ever known for a God that had just whispered something to him. This is Moses standing before a bush in the desert, hearing the voice of God saying, go to the most powerful ancient uh, power in, in, in all of history and go up to the leader of it and tell them, you can't enslave my people anymore. These are once in, in human history revelations. And our Christianity, our faith is based on one of those. One of those once in a human history type encounter. And yet... And yet, the revelation that Paul is talking about here, the way Paul sees humanity, the way that Paul sees that hodgepodge of human beings as testifying to the cosmos about the goodness of God, it's a revelation that we all need. To have, we, we need that epiphany. Our futures depend on it. Our world depends on us being open to God, revealing the same thing that he revealed to Paul to us. In, in these last couple of verses we're gonna look at, seven and eight, it says this, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. The the type of epiphany like this that transforms your thinking and your reality so completely, you become a servant of it. What ideas are you a servant of in your life? What beliefs are you slave to? Because that's, that's the reality. You serve beliefs that you have. And for Paul, that reality was this gift of God's grace. That was the power that animated him. In verse 8, he says, Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Paul didn't think too much of what he had done that, that thus far in his life. There were a lot of things he was ashamed of. But this epiphany, this idea 
of who God was in, in the person of Jesus and what that meant for all of humanity, it animated and empowered him to such a degree that there was not enough shame and blame in his life to hold him back. There wasn't enough. He became a servant to this idea that was so much bigger than him, that it engulfed him, that, that, it, that it animated his heart to such a degree. What if you could meet, what if you could meet the very same God that did that to Paul? I think that you can. Pray for it. Ask for it. I know that sounds trite. Pray for it. Ask for it. Expect it. Look for ways to cultivate mystery. Is there a mystery here that God could be wanting to reveal to me? An epiphany. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, um, for your word. Thank you for all of the people in this congregation, all of their experiences, everything that they know and believe and bring to this congregation. As we come to the table, would you bring us new clarity as to the love and the connectedness that you have for us, amen.